Al Anderson Afternoons, the podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Coming up, Ken Allen at the city of Winnipeg on potholes, sandbags, and thin ice. Also, Dave Carlson and Steve Sprang on this year's flooding compared to 2009. And Jenny Makaluk will join us with another special guest. Please rate the podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. And now, the podcast. But Ken Allen joins us. He is uh, communications at the city of Winnipeg. Good afternoon, Ken. Good afternoon, Hal. Thanks for having me on. Well, thank you for doing this. So uh, a news release came out today, and it's, uh, well, there's lots in there, and I want to talk to you about uh, this. I thought it might be a good way to to start the show. So um, uh, the weather gets nice, the melt starts, and then we see things like potholes and, oh, wow, that's a mess. We got to clean that up. Uh, Tell us what's happening with the city of Winnipeg and and some of this stuff. Sure. Well, uh, at this time of year, of course, uh, the temperatures are getting milder. And our city crews are engaged in a wide variety of uh, important springtime activities right now, including things like, uh, of course, repairing the potholes that are starting to appear on city streets. But we're also, we also have crews thawing frozen curb inlets and catch basins. We're clearing ditches and culverts. We're still sanding and salting uh, the roadway to improve traction in slippery areas. And we're busy uh, making preparations for possible river and overland flooding. Uh, maybe talk a bit about potholes. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion about street work and what is in that budget that will be passed tomorrow, what's not in it, how much money did we get from the province. Will that in any way affect pothole repairs this spring? No, uh, pothole repairs are going to be ongoing uh, this year like like every year. It's a streets maintenance activity, so it's not included in the budget that's being considered right now. And uh, our crews are going to be very busy uh, this week and in the coming weeks as those potholes uh, continue to appear uh, throughout the spring. And we're, we're going to be making repairs, uh, firstly, to those uh, main routes and bus routes and collector streets, uh, which are our priority, of course, because they carry the majority of traffic traveling at higher speeds. And um, we're obviously uh, talking about flood flows like 2009 in southern Manitoba. Uh, While we're not seeing uh, the kind of flooding that we saw in 97 in the city of Winnipeg, there are some areas where flooding is possible, if not likely. And I know sandbags are available from the city. Tell us about that. Well, sure. Uh, You know, the the city's flood preparations are progressing well, and Uh, We're going to be providing more details about our plan in the coming days and weeks following the province's next update. But you're right. uh, We've got sandbags available for uh, to to Winnipeggers uh, for overland flooding. We've got three locations where uh, residents can pick up uh, sandbags. And those locations are at uh, 1220 Pacific Avenue, 1539 Waverly and 960 Thomas, and and people can pick up those sandbags between the hours of 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. Also, uh, today we activated two of our sandbag-making units. So we've got got the sandbaggers up and running, and we're going to be continuing to make sandbags for the next few weeks. And right now we're working uh, 
each machine one shift per day, and we're producing 30,000 sandbags per day. I know in the past, often uh, these uh, sandbags that are made in the city of Winnipeg end up outside the perimeter. Is that possible again this year? Could we be making sandbags inside the city for use outside the city if needed? Well, you know, it's a little too early to say exactly how the whole flood uh, event is going to progress. You know, that we're, we're looking to the province for their lead on that. But, uh, you know, it's not unheard of for us to produce sandbags for use otherwhere, uh, other places in the province if they're really needed to protect property. And this final thing I want to talk about might be the most important thing. We want uh, people to stay off the ice because as things warm up, that ice starts to get thinner and we don't want, uh, you know, any horrible incidents happening, especially uh, tell the kids, your kids, uh, parents, teachers, we got to make sure we keep everybody off that, that thin ice out there. Absolutely right, uh, Hal. Uh, at this time of year with warming temperatures, Winnipeggers are advised to stay off all water bodies, including retention ponds and ditches due to thin ice conditions. And all ice right now should be considered unsafe at this time. Ken Allen, thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Anytime, now. Ken Allen, Communication City of Winnipeg. In the RM of Emerson Franklin, you will find Dominion City. And back in 2009, Dominion City was the first community in Manitoba to declare a state of emergency because of the flooding. And joining us on the phone now is the Reeve of the RM of Emerson Franklin, Dave Carlson. Dave, thanks a lot for doing this. Maybe uh, let's start by comparing 2009 to this year, 2019. Well, in 2009, we kind of had a unique situation that uh, we had a a lot of rain over a very short period of time. I think it was close to eight inches of rain, like over a 24, 48-hour period. And what that did was, uh, I mean, obviously there's a lot of water around and we had frozen culverts at the time because the thaw hadn't fully happened. And so we were getting some overland flooding and some, uh, some road washouts. And uh, so that was kind of why the state of emergency was declared at that time, because we were trying to, to deal with overland flooding more so than from the river. And we're hearing flows this year will be much like 2009, at least at this point, that's what flood forecasters are saying. How are you preparing this time around? Uh, well, it's not, it's not the uh, municipality's first rodeo for sure. So uh, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be uh, making sandbags. We're going to be ordering uh, sandbags as well. We do have some in reserve already. Um, and it's just a matter of, of reacting to what happens. We're going to have... We're probably going to be renting some extra uh, earth-moving equipment, uh, also contracting some of that work out as well, um, and doing everything we can to make sure that uh, we keep our everyone uh, safe and, and dry. Uh, we do have uh, two fire halls in our, our area as well, so we'll make sure that we have uh, members on standby that uh, can react to any kind of uh, uh, dire situation. And uh, other than that, uh, we're... It'll, we're kind of looking in our area more of it being a, a nuisance flood uh, than you know like because right now like Emerson and Dominion City and a lot of the uh, a lot of the farms in our area uh, are flood proof to uh, 1997 plus two so uh, unless uh, we get a lot of a lot more significant precipitation either here or uh, to the south of us uh, 2009 looks looks manageable for us. 
Yeah, and that was going to be my final question, Dave. Obviously, things have changed in your RM and elsewhere since 97 and even from a decade ago. So talk about what's been done to try and keep things from getting as bad as back then. Well, uh, obviously, all the dikes were raised uh, after 19... Well, during the flood in 97, the dikes were raised. And then, and then since then, they've been, been raised a little more to make sure that... Uh, I mean, 1997 happened, and it could happen again. So, um, And a lot of the uh, farms that are, are affected or, or homes affected along the river systems, uh, they are built up higher. They do have ring dikes. Uh, in 09, we actually had to close a couple of ring dikes around a couple of properties uh, just to ensure that... Uh, they didn't get any water in, in there. And uh, other than that, uh, you know, we're just going to be as prepared as we can. We work with the Manitoba infrastructure and, and the different services that are, are involved with the flooding. And um, we're going to be ready should the worst happen. Good luck with it, Dave, and thanks for doing this. Thanks. I'll appreciate the call. Dave Carlson, he is the Reeve in the RM of Emerson Franklin 10 years ago. In 2009, Dominion City, in that RM, was the first community to declare a state of emergency. I've got joining us on the phone here, Steve Strang. Steve is the Manitoba Director of the Red River Basin Commission. Good afternoon, Steve. How are you? Good afternoon. How I'm doing well. Thank you. Good to chat with you. So um, I want to talk to you about uh, flooding this year, and you've got a lot of experience in that area. But first of all, you've got a big event coming up this week, and I want to give you a chance to promote it. Go ahead. Oh, thank you so much. Well, we're uh, celebrating World Water Day. I'm not celebrating, which is a bringing, bringing attention to World Water Day. And part of that is the Netley uh, Lebo Marsh Restoration Project. And we're having 300-plus people out at the Sonova Centre coming uh, Thursday, starting at 5.30. We're sold out, so please, I'm sorry, can't give you any more tickets. Yeah, uh, which is a good thing. It is a great thing, and every year it continues to grow. And our focus is really all about the environment. It's about protecting Lake Winnipeg, saving the marsh, and doing what the Red River Basin Commission does so well, Hal, and that's bringing people together in order to work for solutions when it comes to water management and water quality. So 2009, 2009, 10 years ago, they're saying the flooding of the flows of the river this year are going to be similar to 10 years ago in 2009. Where, what were you up to in 2009? Well, my friend, you'll recall I was the mayor of St. Clements, and we were dealing with major flooding, especially that from ice-induced flooding. Um, that was probably the worst year that we had to deal with during my 12-year terms, and um, I, it, it created evacuations, it created buyouts, it created um, everybody running everywhere trying to do the best they could do for the citizens that we were representing. And um, we're hearing this year as well that there is definitely, you know, some big, thick ice. How have things changed? I imagine, like everything else, we're better at dealing with the ice now compared to 10 years ago. We are. We're renowned throughout the world um, for on how we handle this. I mean, the people that we have employed there, Daryl Kupchuk is the executive director. Uh, I believe the organization is led by... Mayor Johansson of the city of uh, Selkirk and the other two mayors, Mayor Feeblecorn and Mayor Soule out of St. Clement and St. Andrews. But uh, they're able to get on the ice now in a matter of a few weeks, break the entire portion of ice, which is just uh, south of the city of Selkirk, all the way up to the Netley Cut. So they do a fabulous job. Even under these years where you're seeing extreme ice sickness, 
they just motor right along and they get themselves prepared to go out into other areas like uh, Brokenhead River and up into the uh, Whitemouth area. Now, that's up in that part, uh, sort of uh, northeast of the city. What about south of the city? Because, uh, you know, we're trying to get a feel for how things are going to look down there this year compared to 10 years ago. Flows similar to 2009. Can you help us out with that at all, Steve? Yeah, I really can. I want to compare the 2011 to 2009. If you recall, 2011 was really focused on the Assiniboine River area. You recall the hoop and holler. They they did the diversions through St. Martin over right. to Lake Winnipeg. Uh, they probably saw their worst year was probably a one in 300 year during that time. But here we are moving in 2009, and if we're talking about the Red River Basin, you need to remember that we dealt with the 97 flood prior to that. And the, the province really has done a great job. The present government looking at the diversion they're looking at now through St. Martin, you know, previous governments looking at all the, the diking as far as community diking, individual diking, uh, buyouts. And what what we're seeing is that there was a level of preparedness still which came from 1997. So when we moved into 2011, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, or sorry, 2000, we move into 2009 even. It, it's not going to be as bad. We're still going to have some things that are going to um, make us change. You know, maybe if Highway 75 is shut down, uh, we're going to have to go out and really take a look at the area to see if things have changed that weren't giving consideration to building in perhaps what we call a flood-prone area. And if we are to, um, the message that we should be giving out here, Hal, is as the commercial is running right now in CGOB, is to take a look at your area, you know, respect the water, have a plan. And if you think you're concerned about anything, contact your municipality and listen to uh, Minister Schuler and the provincial flood forecast, because that will really help guide you and educate you on how, what level of preparedness you have to be at. I also want to say that all the municipalities that are in the province have to have an emergency response plan. And under emergency situations, they're all trained to open up their emergency centers. So the thing is, is not to throw fright into the minds of everybody, but to uh, put in, you know, the thought of being cautious to, again, have a plan and to be ready in case something does happen. Steve, I really appreciate your time today. Thanks a lot. Always a pleasure, Hal. Thank you. Jenny McCulloch is here again. My goodness, uh, you brought in somebody so cool last time. I said, you know, you let me know if you've got anybody else you want to bring in. And here you are, not even a week later. Please introduce me to your friend to your left, Jenny, Well, Hal, thank you. And sort of in keeping with the theme of Winnipeg's best-kept secret, I thought Winnipeggers would like to get to know my friend Patty Kusterock. She is uh, inductee into something called the North American Fiddling Hall of Fame. Wow. And she's also the very first woman and the first person from Western Canada to win the Canadian Grandmaster Fiddle Championship. Wow. So I thought it would be fun to bring Patty on and find out what she's been up to. And I'm going to let Jenny uh, kind of, uh, like last time, and you did such a great job, uh, job, Jenny, I'm going to kind of, but we should mention your daughter Emily is here. And uh, Emily and you, Jenny, have been learning to play the fiddle from Patty. 
week. Absolutely. We have been so blessed to have such a great teacher, and we're lucky that for all of her success that Patty still gives back to the musical community Isn't by offering great, lessons. Eh? Yeah, it's been amazing. Excellent. Go ahead, chat, and then hopefully Patty will play for us, but go ahead. So, Patty, you just came back from something called a home tour. What's that all about? Yeah, it's uh, it's called the Home Roots Tour, and Home Roots is a company based out of Winnipeg uh, that was started by Leonard uh, by Mitch Podolik, who started the Winnipeg Folk Festival. Everybody knows that name here. And it, what it is is essentially concerts in people's homes, and there's different routes throughout the country. Uh, I believe it started in Manitoba here, and it's branched out right across the entire country. And um, I did my first one just in the last two weeks. I went up uh, to Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, and did kind of a northern swing uh, back into Manitoba, up to Flin Flon, and then back into Saskatchewan. So. And so you stopped in different towns. Yeah. And what was the ve- which what what were the venues like? It was everything from somebody's living room to a Legion Hall to a library. Uh, mostly living rooms, though. That's what the whole concept is. So you go on tour so that people can host a really fun party at their house? Basically, it's a glorified <laughs> kitchen party. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> what a fantastic experience. Good for you. And you were traveling with... Uh, Fellow musician, right? I think one of Winnipeg's other great musical talents, Jeremy yes. Russo. Yeah, Jeremy Russo. He's a, I call him a musical genius. He plays about 20 different instruments and uh, he's blind and he's just fantastic. So yeah, he he was no help behind the wheel, but yeah. <laughs> he's great, you know, to have with me on stage. Well, I recall he was one of the teachers in an event that we, Emily and I participated in last year called Shivering Strings. Yes. Uh, the weekend long Fiddle camp. Yeah, in the middle of January. <laughs> and it is shivering. And so that that's that's an initiative that you brought to Winnipeg as well recently, isn't it? Yes. Uh, shivering Strings started in Nova Scotia, and it's been done in Saskatoon. It's been done in southern Saskatchewan, uh, more recently in Calgary. And I thought, Winnipeg needs this because we're the most shivering of all. Fantastic. And so it's an opportunity for players of every skill level to come together over a weekend. And and I know for me, the climax of it, the greatest moment was when we played all together in a, in a big group after some excellent instruction. Over yeah, the we had fiddles, we had banjos, pianos, guitars. Um, and yeah, and just like you said, the whole culmination of the final concert where everybody just gets to play together and show off what they've learned over the weekend. Awesome. So good for you for bringing so many excellent uh musical opportunities to Winnipeg. And you've got something really exciting coming up in 2020. Why don't you tell us about it? Well, uh, the Canadian Grandmasters uh, is a national fiddle competition that's invitational. Uh, We invite the best of the best throughout the country to represent their province. And uh, normally it's always in Ottawa, but about, uh, I guess, maybe eight years ago, other cities have uh, put in bids to host this event to great success. Uh, It was in Saskatoon one year, uh, Moncton, New Brunswick, in Quebec. Uh, It's been in Morinville, Alberta. And I was asked to consider hosting it in Winnipeg. So they wanted me to do it this year. And I said, no, Winnipeg 2020 sounds much more cool. So we're doing it in 2020. So that's going to be an opportunity for Winnipeggers to come together and see some of the very greatest musicians that Canada has to offer? Absolutely. Winnipeg and Manitoba are kind of uh, known for their fiddle music and, well, the prairies in general. So um, we're going to host, you know, we're going to feature and showcase our own style of fiddling, but we're also going to have all the best from the rest of the country. Well, what an exciting opportunity for all of us. No kidding. If I can just jump in quickly, I want to ask a couple of questions, Patty. What makes a good fiddle player? 
Because you're obviously world-class, right? <laughs> I mean, you talk about the Grand Masters fiddling competition. You won that three times. I did, yeah. So how do you do that? What makes a good fiddle player? Well, in my opinion, a good fiddle player is somebody that listens to fiddle music, first of all. You need to know what you want to sound like in order to produce that sound. If you're playing hockey... You're going to have watched a hockey game, an NHL hockey game, and, right. and watch the pros. You so be it's a the fan. You same have to have thing. a love, right? Yeah, and you need to immerse yourself in it. Um, uh, I played for a lot of dances from the time I was 14 years old up until now. I just played my last one this past Sunday. And uh, playing for dancers is is key as well because that's what gives you the feel, what gives you that, um, like you're playing to those people, you're playing to the beat, and you're wanting to make people tap their feet and want to get up and dance. Whether yeah. they know how to dance or right. not, you want to make them want to do it. Yeah. So that's my, my idea of what makes a good fiddle player. And what drew you, uh, Jenny, to the fiddle? Just the fact that Emily was was playing or well i confess that i may have projected onto my daughter a little uh, <laughs> that's okay when i was 32 i really want i decided i really wanted to learn to fiddle and i, I bought this book and it's called you can teach yourself fiddling and it turns out that that's not true so i <laughs> scratched away for several years and and i always thought that if i had a child yeah. which i did yes. i would make them learn to fiddle so that they could jam with me and so emily went through several years of lessons and finally it was time for me to pick it back up as well and we had the best time being taught by patty because she taught us the same repertoire of tunes yeah. and so when we went home we could we could play together and it was just, it's just the most amazing thing for me you know, the mechanics of learning to play, it's tricky and it's hard and you got to practice. But mm. the joy comes when you're playing with somebody else because, for me, that's when it really feels like music, yeah. right, to well, play and, together. And, and you mentioned this, but how cool that somebody, uh, you know, world-class like this, as you said, is giving back by teaching, you know, kids and, and adults how to play the fiddle. I mean, that that's amazing. And and the same, uh, too, Patty, with, with the house concerts, you know, that's sort of the latest fad that, you know, is is happening with every musical, uh, musical genre. But it's great because you get to play for eight or ten people in some cases, right, in their living room. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes you're so close to the people watching that you're literally knee-to-knee. And the funniest story was when my musical partner Jeremy was playing the accordion and the bellows were blowing the f- guy in the front row. He had long hair and it was blowing his hair back. That's how close we were. So when wow. you say up close and personal, yeah. that's what we really mean it. <laughs> We've got just a couple minutes left. Do you mind playing a little bit for sure, us, Patty? Yeah. Would you get your fiddle out here? And uh, Now, do you have to tune it or anything or yeah. you just kind of pull it out and go? Well, if it's out of tune, I'll tune it, but hopefully it's not. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> close enough. So I can play, uh, I'll play a little bit of something that I co-wrote with my friend Jeremy. We called it the Iced Cap Swing. Okay. Patty Custerock on CJOB.
fantastic. That's great. It, it is an interesting instrument, right? You can't help but hear that and want to tap your toe or, yeah. Absolutely. Mission accomplished. There yeah. you go. Thank yeah. you very much. And you know what, Patty? I'm so glad that you were able to come out today. Oh, yeah. thank you for asking me. What a wonderful time. Winnipeg's own Patty Custerock. Jenny, thank you. Yeah. And Emily, thank you. We didn't get you on the radio, but keep it up with the fiddle, okay? All right. Hal Anderson Afternoons, the podcast, is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.